0: Welcome friends, and thank you for listening. I'm Scott Sullivan, Discipleship Catalyst with the Georgia Baptist Mission Board, and our team exists to strengthen Georgia Baptist churches in the area of discipleship. We've developed three tools just for you. The Watershed Principle, which identifies the six main ministries of the church that must be healthy to produce world-impacting disciple-makers. The Spark Conference. Last year's conference saw over 33,000 views from 45 different states and 18 countries. This year's conference will premiere on August the 12th with best-selling author, Tony Evans, Ben Mandrell, president of LifeWay, and David Kinnaman, the president of the Barna Group. We also have learning communities that are set up throughout Georgia, which exist to help you finish the task of leading your family in ministry well. You can see our website to find one near you. Also, every Thursday at 3 p.m., you can catch this broadcast through Facebook, Instagram, or multiple podcast platforms. Now, let's join today's broadcast.
1: Everybody, welcome to our broadcast today. I um, am really happy about our guests today. These guys have both become friends as um i've been here for a little over a year now in georgia getting to know people around the state and both of them have been um great people to get to know and we're kind of talking about connections today and the value of connections with other disciple makers you know it's not something that um, just kind of happens we have to almost be intentional about those relationships and so i know for the the three of us we we had to be intentional about that we had to find time for lunch we had to find time for coffee to get to know one another but Man, my life has been blessed and enriched by knowing both of these guys, and and that's kind of where we want to start and and talk about today. So let me introduce both of these rock stars. So we have the Carl Johnson, and he is the Leadership Development Pastor at Peace Baptist Church in Decatur, Georgia. Carl, tell us a little bit about your job, and what's your favorite diet soda?
2: (laughs) Did you say diet soda? Diet soda. (laughs) Well... Thank you, PJ. Uh, As PJ said, I am uh, serving Peace Baptist Church here in Decatur, and uh, I'm the leadership development pastor. And in terms of diet soda, I I guess it would have to be Sprite if if they make a diet, but I try to drink anything that's fattening because uh, (laughs) I really don't care. I've been blessed with a high metabolism. And so uh, uh, it really doesn't bother me with all of that sugar uh, and whatnot. But uh, at any rate, uh, I am just enjoying um, serving in discipleship. I've been doing so for a couple of decades now. And at Peace Baptist Church, I have the responsibility of doing discipleship for the adult ministries, which uh, as you know, is is very broad and uh, also that kind of dovetails into our young adult and and, uh, high school and middle school and children's ministry. Uh, But for the most part, the the bulk of of, uh, what I spend my time doing is trying to cultivate small groups and uh get people involved beyond just worship service and uh uh the fellowship and some of the 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 things that are event driven that are just uh really easy to do but get them into those intimate settings where they can uh grow and develop those relationships that are uh, just uh lifelong lasting and 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 just as meaningful
1: love it Love it. And I love the title. That's a creative title. I think JR might steal it. But JR's is pretty cool too. JR is the Minister of Discipleship and Missions at First Baptist Church, Moultrie, Georgia. Uh, I, I heard how you said Decatur, and I understand I'm not saying it correctly and that it shows I'm not from Georgia. I'm, am I saying Moultrie wrong too, Jay? Too? No, you
3: got it. You got, you got it, I think.
1: All right. I didn't um, know. Oh, <laughs> in Moultrie or how that was. So, JR, tell us a little bit about your job there and what is your favorite food group?
3: favorite food group uh i, I like anything uh, anything with chocolate in it um,
0: especially ice
3: cream, Is ice cream a food group can, we, can count. we go there um i'm the uh, so so at a top level i develop and implement the discipleship and mission strategies here um what I, I i guess boiling that down a little bit um i'm responsible for helping our people value a uh, small group and discipleship relationships uh, and help them to foster those type of relationships, and then to get them plugged into the mission opportunities that we offer here at First Baptist Moultrie.
1: Yeah, and it's and it's pretty cool. How long have you been there? Almost three years. Yeah, so about half of it in COVID, so definitely. Yes. Wow. <laughs>
3: senior pastor transition in COVID. It's
1: yeah, yeah, so you've had a ton of changes too, and Carl, I know you've been at that church for a long time and vocationally um, for a period too, but Guys, you know, when it comes to this topic, it's real sensitive to my heart because I have a passion for for single adults, as both of you know, and and loneliness is a big factor in singles, but it's really a big factor in everybody's life. And and I just feel like we have to to value those connections in our lives that help grow us, that help edify us, that help us become who we want to be and who we don't know that we need to be. And, and sometimes we, we have to get guys around us to, to help us think differently to see the world differently. And, and really, we're, we're reading the same Bible together. Right. And we know that we're, we're in our word every day. We're praying every day. But but when I come and Carl and I are grabbing a big old juicy burger, and, and we're talking about something he's like, man, but God taught me this. I'm like, man, I never I never got that out of that passage. That's that's great. And JR is telling me about, man, we hand out these books to our teachers at Christmas as a thank you gift, just these little books. Like mean, I think he's got one on his shelf there. And, and I was like, man, what a great idea that is. And, and if we we cut ourselves short in ministry, if we don't surround ourselves with guys that help us sharpen one another. And one of the reasons that I think we don't do that is because we're lonely and and we haven't identified. That we're lonely. Like we're big tough guys, right? Everybody's a tough guy. And, and when we're in ministry, we're supposed to have the answers. Like our lives aren't supposed to be a mess, even though they're a hot mess. And, and so we have to, we have to um set aside that pride a little bit and say, maybe I am lonely. Maybe I do need to surround myself with more, with more people. So uh JR, I'll let you go first on this one, but I just want to know, you know, how have you known when you were lonely in ministry? And then, you know, how do we identify loneliness? Um, in our own lives, like how did you identify that, and how did you know when you were lonely?
3: Yeah, so so typically I uh, I, I realize it when I'm in the middle of a pity party. I'm sure we can all relate to that. You throw yourself this pity party, and you start feeling this hurt and frustration. And unfortunately, a lot of times that's directed towards the people that are in your life that you feel like they should be there for you. And it's an unfair hurt and frustration because most of the time that, that they don't even know um, that that you. Need them in that way, and uh, um, a lot of times, church members they can't relate well uh, to the loneliness that a pastor feels. Only other pastors can do that, so it's it's completely unfair uh, to the people in your life, and not to mention your family, because that's the first place uh, it'll spill over to is your relationship with your wife and your kids, and it's entirely unfair to them. So that's always the frustration uh, is kind of the waking up point for me. It'd be great if it happened before that, but uh, but I always recognize it at that point.
1: Yeah, that's, a, and that's a good word. Like our, the profession is different. And in every profession has its nuances where people can relate to one another and say, yeah, I feel that in this profession, but in ministry, it merges like our personal, our spiritual and our vocational lives together. And it does this, and we're not sure where they all stop. And so it's really helpful to have guys around us, um, Carl, that help us, I don't know, understand the same things that we do. So how about you and, and uh, loneliness and identifying that?
2: Yeah, and so kind of with me, it, it really goes back a long way. And uh it's just something that I have really been uh, you know, constantly trying to uh guard myself against. But when I first went into full time ministry over 20 years ago, that was the first thing I noticed that I didn't know anybody else in full time ministry that did exactly what I did. Hmm. And boy, that was lonely. And one of the reasons was that the the church that I was a part of it started off with just nobody but the pastor as a full-time employee. And then when I was brought on, now you know you've got just the two of us and and you know, of course, m- months and years later, we would add more staff. But just finding somebody to talk to about the same things that you're trying to do and who had like-minded was really, really tough for me. And uh, because first of all, most churches didn't have a full staff. And then when I did, you know, reach out to some of the guys who did, they were so busy until, you know, you, you hardly even had time for lunch. And so that's when I realized that, man, this is a lonely job. You know, you spend all these hours at church during the day and then in the evening you're meeting with members. And so you, you, you don't have a whole lot of family time. And, and as you just said, JR, to your point, that's really important because your family can keep you from being lonely because that is, you know, your first ministry and to have the healthy relationships there is going to be the key to everything so that was when it when it first kind of dawned on me and i really didn't identify it as loneliness back then but i knew it was it was something uncomfortable it wasn't quite right
1: yeah and and, and you know your family you know for there may be a, a single um minister watching today and and that is a place where i came from ministering as a single guy for several years And, um, you know, your family gets defined differently as a single guy, but you got to have those inner core. You got to have your Jonathan, you got to have somebody that's close to you where you can, where you can decompress and really be transparent with them. And and so it's just as important as a single or a married adult, or if you have 10 kids or no kids, um, the point is well taken that you have to have somebody close to you. And we see that throughout scripture repeated. And, and, um, you know, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to share a couple of these stats, um, just to kind of. Bring it home a little bit when when guys are like, man, maybe I'm lonely sometimes, or I'm not. In fact, we're gonna do a quick poll and a poll in the um chat here. Okay, introvert or extrovert, which one are you? Type it in the chat right now. And Carl, are you an introvert or an extrovert?
2: You know, I think I'm an extrovert.
1: <laughs> he leans. You lean <laughs> yeah. extrovert. I yeah. see. It getting your answer somebody's going to type ambervert, all right and there's always somebody who breaks the one or the other mold okay all right so we'll say uh, jr what about you i'm I'm in the
3: middle leaning introvert every, every time i take the test that's where i land
1: you land so i i fall off the extrovert cliff like every time and and so i could not be more on the other side which is great because i like meeting people but it's exhausting um when you when you bring uh, somebody to your house every weekend, and your wife says, um, "I like watching Hallmark movies. So when are we going to do that?" So that can be interesting. So extrovert, introvert in there. Okay. So some compelling data on loneliness in America. Um, it, you know, loneliness has adverse health effects. We don't think of it that way, but when you get in this mindset of being lonely, it can be equal to smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And that's a that's a CDC um, study that they did that it can affect us that much physically. You know, a third of people in marriages are lonely. So we think, well, if we're married, we at least have a built-in relationship, and we won't have loneliness. But, but that's not true, right? Not every relationship is healthy, and and if it's an unhealthy marriage, you can be lonely, and that is, as well. But, but 35% of people say that they have no one to turn to when they were stressed. That goes back to what we're we're talking about. Who who's going to be your inner tribe? Who's going to be the people you talk to? Um, But not having somebody to turn to when you're stressed only compounds uh, the loneliness effect. Now here's a generational statistic. So Gen Z, you know, our youngest um, out there maybe watching today, 79% felt lonely in 2019, compared to only 38% of the silent generation. And that is a stat that goes back to um, what we all kind of hear people talk about, oh, they're the youngest in the loneliness. But but they are. They, they identify as very lonely and they don't have a trusted friend or a trusted person to talk to, but yet our silent generation, right, the, the greatest generation, they learned how to have in-person relationships in a different way and surrounded themselves with those friendships. That's why commercials are different for Gen Z as opposed to the silent generation, right? Now, the last one I want to share with y'all is that over 60% of young adults have less than 3 meaningful interactions a day. Young adults identified as people that are under the age of 30. Isn't that incredible? If you're watching, um, you minister in your context, and I'm talking to you on the other side of this camera, that that 60% of young adults, young pastors, have less than three meaningful adult interactions a day. We can talk to a lot of people. That doesn't mean it's meaningful. And so this is kind of the basis that we're coming into this conversation today, is that we don't want you to to feel alone. Right? We want you to feel that you have these meaningful interactions every day, that you're around people that you can talk to when, you, when you're when you stressed. And so, JR, um, you know, I know we've gotten to know each other, and you just really value and maintain discipleship relationships with people outside of your church. So there's inside, I get paid to do this. I get paid to talk to these volunteers or do this home group on Thursday nights. But outside of your church, man, you do a great job at this, and I hear you talking about that. So tell me a little bit about that. And then why do you value that?
3: Yeah, so um, you know, first off, they're not these these outside relationships, they're not entirely different than than a discipleship relationship within the church. I hope, you know, we're watching the discipleship podcast here. So I hope everybody watching at least understands the value of discipleship. Um, but I want two ways that they're distinctly different. Um, and the first way is that especially speaking with those relationships with other ministers and other pastors, is that they they understand you better. Um, You know, my background, I spent 10 years uh, before I went into vocational ministry in my adult life. And I was a lay leader in my church. I was a Sunday school teacher and a deacon and um, really involved in church ministry. But even as intimately involved as I was, I did not understand what it was to be a vocational minister, to be a pastor. Um, And and I recognize that now from this side. So those people in your church. Regardless of how much they're around and how much they're involved in your ministry, they don't they just can't fully understand and appreciate what you go through as a pastor and a minister. Um, So that's the first way. The second way are these uh, these learning opportunities. And I like asking questions. I like hearing what other people are doing and uh, making these connections with other pastors gives me opportunities to just listen and hear what they're doing. And then I ask, hey, how do you do that? Or if I've got a question, something I want to do better, you know, I, I'll throw it out to my learning community. I've got one of those questions out with our uh, core uh, community right now on uh, on prayer ministry. How do we get those under 40 involved in prayer ministry? Um, it's great to have those avenues to ask those type of questions.
1: Yeah. So why do you make the time Why to have those interactions? Why do you do
3: it? You know, it's... I, it's essential. Um, it helps me to be a better minister in a, it gives me a um, event and accountability to other, other pastors. Um, I can share with them when I'm frustrated and they can hear that and speak truth into my life and call me out if I'm frustrated over something I shouldn't be frustrated over. Um, and then also just uh, learning and, and and learning how to be a better minister for, for the people in my church. Those, all of those outside discipleship relationships help me to minister to those inside relationships that I have, a whole lot better because I'm learning from guys who are strong in areas that I'm weak in, um, and just uh, just kicking ideas around and 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 letting some some guys uh, rub off on me
1: who are a little bit more seasoned in ministry and have been in ministry longer than me. And and I've had pastors as I've you know traveled around that have said things like, "There's nothing new to teach me." I don't mean to be rude, but I've been doing this for 30 years, and I just think. Wow, I'm not trying to say I got anything new to teach you either, but you could teach me. Like, I, and and that's genuine. As consultants, um, we we work in six regions in Georgia. If you're watching and you're new with us, and we we have the privilege of serving hundreds of pastors in each region, and and a lot of the times it is us learning and then sharing with somebody else an idea. You know, Jr. We we've interacted, and I'd say, oh man, this guy's doing this in this county, just a couple counties over. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. So it's not that we have some new idea and we wanna be the ones with all the knowledge, we genuinely learn. So when you shut off and say, you're not gonna learn anymore, I mean, you really just hamper how much God can expand your influence. And uh, you know, reading is one of those those things that you talked about. So on your bookshelf, you have about every seminary book um, known to man. And on my bookshelf, I have about every Usborne book known to man. And Carl is an open book. He's a blank slate. He is ready to be poured into. And I just wanna commend him for that in our backgrounds today and so Carl. let me let me ask you the next question um here um carl you're you you know you've done networking in your vocational life prior to your calling um and i think you've seen this on a lot of different perspectives um so how's that helped you with discipleship connections and ministry and just kind of you know take a moment walk us through maybe your testimony a little bit and how that's evolved
2: yeah well so my Previous life, if you will, I, it's, it's, boy, it's almost like Moses. I've been in and out and in and out, but um, I used to work for a, a cancer diagnostic laboratory. So I was in med- uh, uh, laboratory medicine, and my job was to consult with pathologists. And my cons- consultation had to do with informing them of the latest testing methodology so that they could prescribe the proper therapy for their patients. So the bottom line is medicine changes so fast. And, and, and PJ, you kind of alluded to me uh, selling pills. You know, I was really close, I was a first cousin, but I was selling the testing to prove that the pills could work. And so the, the, the pharmaceutical guys were, were really my partners because when they do the clinical trials and they say this drug will work for this cancer treatment, the insurance is not going to pay for it unless it's tested to show that it's going to be effective. So here's how the networking comes in because these guys they're very lonely. As a matter of fact, you know, um, we were talking about loneliness. They're looking through a, a microscope all day, and so here I come, you know, bringing lunch, and we're going to talk about you know some of their patients and some of the challenges that they're having, and what's really important to them is the data or the white papers. But here's what's also really important when I could say to them that some of the thought leaders in their field have done these testings and had good outcomes with their patients. So it was important to me to know all of this, the pathologists in the regions and the oncologists, and I would go to their meetings to just sit and listen to a lot of stuff I didn't understand just so I could have that relationship so that when, when they would get a patient and they were successful, I could use that information to say, hey, they're using this testing and it's working. Hmm. Doc, why don't you try it? And, uh, you know, I developed a lot of good relationships. Uh, 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 Listen to them talk about their hobbies and even play golf a little bit because that's what they do. And I'm not a real big sporting fan, but that that's a relaxing thing to do play golf. I'm not good at it at all. But uh, in ministry, it's the same way. Discipleship is such a niche. It's, it's almost invisible to most people because it happens behind the scenes. It happens uh, in ways that is so private. You so a lot of the stuff you don't even share with people, but that's how people grow. When they you get into their personal life and you, you really meet them right where they are and you develop those relationships and they begin to trust you. And so there, there are so many parallels that I draw. It was almost like God gave me that career just to put me in ministry, because that helps me to understand that without the relationships that I've established, uh, discipleship is just not gonna happen. And even now, you know, some of the mentoring things that I'm doing with guys, it's not a program that we've introduced to the whole church. It's something that I'm hoping develop and just takes uh, 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 takes off you know, just naturally organically and just begin to multiply. You know, I really have no control over it, but uh, it's something that I I, I absolutely believe in. Man, and, um, the, the those concept, relationships are lifelong.
1: The concept of it being hidden is, is uh, man, the way you worded that, um, Carl, is, is brilliant because, I mean, we've done a lot of these, but I've never heard it said in such a way like that. You know, I think one of the most scary parts about discipleship is that it's so hidden. Like as much as we wanna make it transparent and, and, you know, our team gets up and we preach in pulpits, you know, hundreds of pulpits a year. And we talk about transparency and discipleship, you can be a part of it. But at the end of the day, most discipleship interactions are done with a few people. It's not on stage. You can't see it. You have to taste the water and you have to get somebody in the room to taste the water. So, so much of your um, your training of listening, you know, is what I heard in your testimony too. I just listened and, I, I, and I'd say, okay, I can glean this from here to apply it in a different Area, and that is what disciple making is. And so being around disciple makers where we can take ideas and glean those and also share a few along the way and say this is what God's done in our lives to do that is important. And so without those relationships, it's never going to happen. So you end up in this yeah. silo and you're the same thing expecting the same results over and over. Now several pastors are watching guys, and they're and they're not the disciple maker for their churches. You know, we have churches that run under 100 and, and they are thriving churches in in their communities and so size isn't a dictator of that but it does help to have more involved right so when i run less than 100 and i'm a bible pastor or a single staff pastor i got to have a point person that's thinking about this that's helping me forward discipleship but also i have to be a disciple maker and so so many of our learning communities are full of pastors they're not full, they're not full of just these education guys in fact I think almost all of these learning communities are, are single staff pastors. I have one that's just Bible pastors. Uh, There's another one that's just associational missionaries. We're getting these guys together and they're talking because they really understand where they're coming from. They're not just some education guy pushing it forward. And so guys, I, you know, these learning communities are big, you know, um, Dr. Scott Sullivan, who we have the pleasure of working with here in Georgia, um, just really set out a vision and said, I see this as the way forward. So that no guy's left behind, nobody's alone, and that you have somebody to to have as a m- middle of the night friend that you can call, and, and maybe you don't have those. And that's part of the success of like our Bible group has been that these guys don't have a staff meeting, do they? They don't have they don't have a staff, and 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 so their staff is their meeting, and these guys love coming to their meeting and saying, "This is how church went Sunday," and then we talk about a discipleship principle, and they go back encouraged to work on that. When they can apply it in their in their context so you know you both are active in learning communities um, i guess i want to know one reason why a person should join and i know we've listed a few um, but let's uh jr tell me one reason why somebody should join a learning community your learning community you lead one
3: so ours, okay um, so so i'd say you know almost every pastor i've ever met has felt lonely and felt like they didn't have all the answers uh, we're not alone in that. These learning communities, they unite us together in community with other pastors mm-hmm. who have pieces of the answer. Um, and really you walk away stronger and more effective in ministry. So, uh, so that's that's a huge thing. This helps you feed your flock. Uh, this helps you be a more effective discipler of your people by having these relationships and being part of these communities.
1: Uh, Carl, how about you? Yeah. Well,
2: one reason I, I think is is really great to be in these communities is something I heard a pastor say, and it kind of echoed around the room, and he said, you know, I went to seminary, and I know how to preach, I know how to teach, and I know how to, you know, prepare a sermon and all of that. He said, but I really didn't learn some of the things that I'm getting from around this table best practices, and that just really struck a chord with me because, of course, I've been to seminary too, and I've learned so much uh outside of seminary that i wasn't taught i i could relate to exactly what he was saying and when you get down to real ministry and just one-on-one interaction there's just some things you just learn from other people and and that's great when when pastors get together and rub elbows like that and share best practices and uh they come away better and and not not you know to to speak in a uh Degrading way to a seminary education because I'm right now studying <laughs> There in New Orleans in the PhD program, but uh, uh, You've got to recognize that the value of interacting with other people in real life is something that's non-negotiable and no seminary education can take the place of that.
1: And so, I mean, it is worth the investment. I mean, clearly both both of y'all are seeing that and I've kind of shared about ours. I want to share a story since um I'm recording from a remote location, uh, deep in the heart of Texas, and um, I was I was telling a friend what I do, and I've known this guy um, almost 14 years. We've known each other, did his wedding, and his family's just super sweet and and really important in our lives. And so he, we're sitting around the table, and he goes, "Now what do you do again? You know?" And so I try to explain what I do, which is weird, and and he goes, "All right, so if you're not around people, so how do you do your job?" I mean, here's a guy who's just average church member who's saying, well, if you're not practicing, then how do you do it when all of us are not practicing something in ministry. And so we have to be around other people that are so that we can glean those things from them. Now, I do involve myself in my local church. I'm involved in our student ministry and I'm and I'm doing that and i and I love it. Like I'm plugged into the local church. But his point is well taken that if you're not investing in other people and letting other people invest in you, um, you know, I'm never going to know about the camp that you're doing at your church. Um, Carl, or I'm never going to know about BBS post reports, JR, that you're doing at your church. And that's helping all of us do it because we can't sit in every seat. And so when we come together in these learning communities, we can do this. And so guys, both of you are awesome. I'm glad that you're um, in Georgia. And um, man, I'm I'm glad that we're friends. I'm glad that all of us are friends and not just Facebook friends, which is great. It's a good start if you're on Facebook, let's, let's friend. Uh, but then let's also go grab something, some coffee and all those. So, um, Carl, one final word from you, any final thoughts?
2: Well, I just like to say to everybody that's listening, and and that might be a little discouraged right now, because in this season, it's even uh, tougher, you know, for that Gen Z, who's been disconnected from their peers for almost a year. Uh, to be encouraged because we've got an opportunity now to to do discipleship in a way and reset without having to uh, force it. So so let's let's find the silver lining in all of this in terms of the situation that we're living in right now. And I'm going to call it post-COVID because I think we're coming
1: out of this. Positive thinking. We're going to go. We're going to go with that. Jr. How about you? I mean. Biggest thing, like we we talk a lot about discipleship.
3: Pastors always talk about discipleship. If we're not out there discipling people and valuing these relationships, it, our our people aren't going to follow us in that. Uh, these uh, these relationships are important, um, and uh, and and they set the example for our people. This is this is the way we want our people to conduct themselves. So so why shouldn't we? Why should we be lonely if we're telling our people that they shouldn't be?
1: Such a good word. Guys, I'm going to end it on this, which is um, just kind of a a cheat sheet to belonging. And we want everybody that's watching this to belong. And and part of that's a strategy of of learning communities. But just three quick things. Belonging is, am I noticed, am I named, and am I known? And if you do those three things, then you're going to feel belonged to a group. And so that's not a discipleship strategy. That is just what science tells us that we feel when we get around other people, right? Am I noticed? Am I named? And am I known? So we want you to take that next step. Type your name in the chat. Um, And if that's not enough motivation, we also give away swag. So you can type your name in there, tell us where you're watching from today, and we'll be sure that you're known. Guys, thank you so much for the conversation. It was fantastic. And as always, we pray that you will share the gospel seed that was shared with you. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to Georgia Baptist Discipleship Podcast. And we want to give you a gift, the five discipleship shifts most churches need to make to produce world-impacting disciple makers. You can get this by going to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. That's ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts.com. This five page PDF is a discipleship alignment checklist that may surprise you. It will help you learn why programs are killing your discipleship. The number one default worker strategy that keeps churches from empowering their ministries. Learn the OGV factor and how it can revolutionize discipleship, attendance, and evangelism in your church. Again, go to ministryboom.com forward slash the number five discipleship shifts. Dot com. The Georgia Baptist Mission Board is able to provide resources like this because of gifts from Georgia Baptist to the Cooperative Program. For more information on this broadcast and a customized discipleship plan for your church, visit gabaptist.org forward slash discipleship. And by the way, if you found this content helpful, we sure hope you'll share it with a friend. And thanks so much for partnering with us to make world impacting disciple makers.